2: what's up laker fans welcome to the laker film room podcast brought to you by betonline.ag i'm pete joined as always by darius i am so excited because we've got some things to talk about from this year from the right now we don't have to go back 10 years 20 years 30 years to reminisce i love all the old basketball but uh you know nothing like the current nba it's always moving forward and that's always excited me and we finally got a little bit of that to talk about um we're going to build this around um Keith Smith has done a really great job of being on top of what's going on with this he was the first that I'm aware of to report that uh, he's with Yahoo Sports he was the first to report that the like that the NBA was really considering Orlando as a place to uh host everything um Mark Lazzari, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, commented that they're considering both Orlando at Disney World and Las Vegas. Uh, So we may have multiple locations on this, but the the crux of it is that we're the ice is starting to thaw. Right. We're starting to get closer and closer to the idea like that. All of this stuff wouldn't be out here, Darius, if they weren't intending for this to
1: happen. Right. No, there's definitely momentum at this point, and momentum, I think, from a lot of different angles, right? Not only from a logistical side, it seems like they're starting to shore things up. Um, Shams reported today as well that um, the NBA is exploring um, testing options with a variety of different, like, test providers, right? In order to create a league wide protocol around testing. Um, you mentioned the the location logistics stuff. Um Jared Dudley has been talking about this stuff. Other players have been talking about this stuff. I've seen tweets from from Jared Dudley and Spencer Dinwiddie and, and plenty of other guys. And that tells me that the chatter that we're hearing from reporters is definitely well sourced because the because And people from the league are now out there openly speaking about the possibility and and throwing out real timelines, right? And I think that not... So not only is there momentum from the NBA side, but there's also, I think, this sense from... What's going on around the country as well? With more and more states start starting to feel like they're ready to reopen, even if mm-hmm. the science maybe is saying like like not <laughs> hey, too fast. We're faster. doing what we're doing, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and so as the country moves moves forward, though, um, in in other industries and in other parts of the economy, I think sports leagues are are going to ride that wave a little bit too. And, and I think that's what we're seeing right now.
2: Absolutely, and so the again the the first place they're talking about is doing this at Disney World in Orlando. Disney is a partner of the n b a right they own a b c and a b c is has the broadcasting rights for the deeper parts of the playoffs and they're you know obviously a big financial partner right so yeah and
1: and a b c owns e s p n right and so they're right. a regular season part partner as well, so this isn't just like oh a b c. And right. Disney, like, like this is every, like, this is the whole shebang, right? Like, this yeah, is bo- both partner. sides,
2: both sides are motivated to make this work. That's and, right. And so, so this is the timeline, the rough timeline that that Keith Smith uh, tweeted out was early June, back in facilities. Heck, we're already kind of there in some places. Lakers are already back in their practice facilities doing individual work. Mid to late June, uh, a training camp. And then early July travel to the single site, which would be Orlando, or if they're doing two sites, Orlando and Vegas, or at least that's what it sounds like. But none of this is solidified. None of this has been announced by the NBA. It's just gotten out far enough, like you were saying, Darius, uh, to where people are hearing some things right and we're getting some specifics for the first time so we travel to our to our single sites in early july which is normally what we'd be doing in vegas for summer league in early july uh and then in mid-july the games start around labor day the season ends uh and that would be uh like the end of the playoffs right and mid-September, we've got the draft. About a week later, we got free agency. And around Christmas, the, the 2020-21 the season begins, right? Now, my first reaction to this, and I'm curious to hear yours, is I think camp and the games beginning, it's a little too fast. There's been talk about there being about five-ish games before the playoffs start. I am concerned there are two factors, two elements to the player safety component of this, right? There's the testing and everything around COVID-19. But there's also going from not playing basketball for four months to playoff intensity basketball in a very short period of time. I'm seeing torn hamstrings. I'm seeing all sorts of basketball injuries i would love I, I think they're ending this season too early by trying to do it by early september by labor day man run it through the end of september man run it through the beginning of of october i know one i know they want to avoid matching up and pairing with the nfl season yeah but man like i, I that's the one thing about this i'm so excited don't get me wrong i'm really excited to have the, the percolations of basketball coming back, but I think this is on too accelerated of a timeline. What's your first reaction to this timeline that, that they have
1: proposed? No, so I have a different question about the timeline in that the, the playoffs are normally three months, right? Mm. They normally start around mid-April and end in mid to late June, right? So that's a three-month period. Right. The block that is discussed here is Labor Day is the first week of September. Right. And they're talking about starting games in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you're talking five games, that's probably a two week period. So let's say that playoffs probably start the end of July. And so are you talking about a six week playoff? The the timeline
2: that I was- Forgive me, there was somebody else who tweeted out what the first round would be and the dates for that, and the uh. second round, and the conference finals, and then the finals. And the way it worked out was roughly a game every other day. And that's about a regular season pace. The playoffs are usually paced a little bit slower. You'll have... Every other day, but then if you got to change series, uh, cities, it's like a Monday then a Thursday game, right? So you got yeah, two two days. All off. the
1: travel is built into that schedule as well. And so if it's all sing single site, then maybe you don't need two or three days right. off. That's right, right? Um, because no one is leaving that single site location, and, and, and so that could easily a uh, you could easily make up a couple of weeks, maybe mm-hmm. even more within Mm -hmm. the schedule with that type of slotting. If you're basically going every other day and maybe giving like two days off between a break in series or however long a series goes. And and for this first round series, maybe is only five games rather than seven, right? right? Like there, there's a lot of different factors and things that, that we don't know at this point, but getting back to your original point about the ramp up, I do think that that's fast. Um, Jared Dudley's a Laker. He's been one of the more vocal players mm-hmm. out there in terms of doing media around um, the whole return to work stuff for for NBA players. And he basically said that players need a month, maybe even longer, in order to ramp up and get back into the type of physical condition that he thinks is, is necessary. And he wasn't even talking, I don't think, about... Um, Cardio or even strength. I think that he's talking about the type of stuff that you're talk talk talking about, which is like right. soft tissue in, mm-hmm. what well, 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 injuries, right? Hamstrings, growings things, things like that. Because um, I listened to an interview that that he did, and it might have been with Mike Trudell actually on IG Live, th- where he was talking about one of the things that the players have missed most is they haven't been getting their stretching routines done and all the treatment that they would typically get from their training staffs. It's, it's one thing to not necessarily have the weight room equipment and, and being able to, uh, to do all of the workout stuff that they would do at, at, well, well, at the practice facility, some of the stuff that I think the players have missed most is that one-on-one time with the trainer and, and, and with all the physical therapists who are working their bodies, making sure that they're properly stretched, properly treating their their muscles and bodies right. to avoid injury, right? Because that's one of the biggest parts of what a trained training staff does is injury prevention, not necessarily mm-hmm. injury treatment or getting you up to like speed with strength.
2: So along those lines, you had been listening to the Shams podcast where he had been giving some insight regarding what. LeBron, he had reported today that LeBron had been hosting some some workouts and things like that. What do we know in terms of what the Lakers have been doing in these very limited circumstances?
1: I'm I'm not exactly sure if if we know a lot of details around the type of stuff that that we've been doing. The the little blurb that I did list well listen to from from Shams reporting was just more that. LeBron had been hosting these workouts with one or two teammates at at a time. Apparently, they've been doing some sort of work on the side, right? Like he wasn't detailing the types of drills that they were doing, or right. or what type of action that they were get get getting into. But but my sense was, or at least from what the reporting was, is is that this was an opportunity for LeBron to to sort of be in contact with his guys. See guys up close, keep that sort of camaraderie together while mm-hmm. getting in some some group time. And, and with him being the leader of the team, I'm assuming while his name was wasn't dropped, that Anthony Davis was was part of this, sure. right? Like I'm assuming KCP, right? There's lots of clutch guys that are on the Lakers roster, so it wouldn't surprise me if if those guys were getting together a little bit and 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 doing some sort of work behind the scenes. So, yeah, let's let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk
2: about some of what we think the Lakers need to do in these. These are uncharted waters. Right. And uh, how the Lakers can go about trying to win this title will be different than any other championship that's ever been won in NBA history. So when we come back, Darius and I are going to talk about kind of some of the ways that we think they, they should navigate that. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, Matt. so it's looking like, like where there's smoke, there's fire. They're certainly working toward this coming back. I think we're at a point... We're at a point where it would have to be something which is totally possible, right? But something from the COVID-19 standpoint, right? Where a second wave or something was really uh, overwhelming that would cause them to shut back down. So now it's a matter of, okay, now what? What does this look like? And we talked in the first segment about how ramping up from not playing, it'll be if they play in mid-July. July 15th, Spencer Dinwiddie tweeted that out, that that was what he was hearing. The last game the Lakers played, I believe, was on March 8th. So that's going to be four months and one week. That's longer than any NBA offseason, barring a lockout. And you've got five games before you enter the playoffs. I believe that this is going to be a playoffs where togetherness, both on the court and off of it, are at a premium and that simplicity will win the day. I've got an article coming out for the athletic tomorrow about how LeBron's post-up game, which is generating 1.16 points per possession on heavy volume. It's in the 93rd percentile in the post. And just when you, when you're over 1.1 points per possession, you're in elite territory, right? And I think that offenses that are predicated on ball movement and player movement are at a disadvantage because you're going to have so much time off that anything that requires a lot of timing, a lot of precision, doing that after five games is just going to be tough, man, you know? And uh, and so I think the Lakers have an advantage in how they've built this offense going forward, right? They give the ball to LeBron. They give the ball to Anthony Davis. It ain't that complicated, right? The, the more complex stuff that they do is on the defensive end. And even then, you've got great uh, mistake erasers in not only Anthony Davis, but also JaVale, Dwight Howard. I think the Lakers are really—is is this just me, you know, talking myself into it from a Laker fan perspective? Or I, I really believe the Lakers, from a basketball standpoint, have an advantage. Do you believe that? And kind of what are the steps, like the first steps in this
0: process?
1: So it's interesting. I wouldn't frame it just from the Lakers perspective, but I think you're right about the Lakers perspective, right? That the Lakers keep it simple offensively. Um, They're very star-driven. They depend on their stars in order to create shots from isolation, and they run pick-and-roll actions, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't require a lot of moving parts with things maybe mm-hmm. a flare screen here, a little back screen there. That's on the weak side, a weak side exchange, right? Mm-hmm. But nothing that's too too comp. comp- a lot of post up.
2: Anthony Davis pokes up posts up the second most in the NBA and LeBron is the eighth most. We got two guys in the top 10.
1: No, that's right. And 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 they're star guys, right? And the most so if going back, if the last dance taught us anything about basketball, it's that hey, when you have a star player who can score one-on-one and then draw a double team and then make an easy pass, that's a winning form formula, and that's been a winning formula mm-hmm. for decades and decades and decades. That's not changing anytime soon. Um, so I think that you're right. I also think the Lakers' size is an advantage for them um, mm. just because I think that optimally, when you're talking about, so you mentioned like those erasers offensively. I also think Mm -hmm. that there's a physicality that comes with that. And there is, and that physicality has a way of like, it's not about speed. It's not about quickness. It's not about precision. The Lakers can play bully ball. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and so it's, it's like the old adage of, of like almost like football, right. where, like we're just going to grind you down with like a dominant offensive line and we're just going to run it down your throat. And by the time I the fourth quarter, those three yard and four mm-hmm. yard runs are 12 yard runs and mm-hmm. 15 yard runs, right? Wore you and, down? And I think the Lakers have effective size to do similar things offensively and defensively right like they can pound you inside with post-ups with with LeBron and Anthony Davis they will bully you some on the mobile on the offensive glass with Dwight Howard and then JaVale McGee and, and and AD again and they have an ability to come at you with with physicality that after a layoff I think that that can really help them right mm-hmm. but I think similar things are true for uh, for the other top teams in the league, if if not in the same exact way, but in similar ways, like yes, like Kawhi is a tremendous. Mm-hmm. He's one of them. Player, right? James Harden, James Harden, um, Giannis, Giannis. The Bucks have a lot of size, right? Giannis plays basically point guard for them, but he's a power forward. He sometimes plays center. They have the Lopez brothers. Like there is, so I think that. The the very top teams in the league, the like the teams who have been considered contenders, those are the teams that I feel like walk into these scenarios a, as as having certain physical advantages yes. that are going to work in their favor. Yes. right. They also have the ability to run semi simplistic systems. Like I know yes. that that Bud comes from that Spurs system. Beautiful, like the beautiful game ball movement. This is that and the other, but. He'll also run just a ton of pick and roll. He'll ISO Giannis like in the mid post and then just spot and then just play like four out basketball mm-hmm. around Giannis and, and, and five out basketball real well, really to, to, to give Giannis spacing. So I'm not necessarily saying that the Lakers don't have an advantage because they do. I, I like, I just think that the, the, I do envision the cream rising, especially with the Lakers Clippers and the Bucks, which is nothing new, right? No, no, they're, they're not alone. Right. But I I do feel like
2: those guys that those teams that have guys who have that individual advantage, they, that that's amplified. That being said, there's an argument to be made for coaching being more important in these really unique circumstances than anywhere else. Like, uh, Frank Vogel, I think this was with with Mike, had an interview where he was talking about uh, John Pastoric, who's uh, th- one of the assistant video coordinators, and oh, what's the that's the other dude's name? Is it Dre, uh, Drew, I think his name's Drew. Um, with them doing a lot of work from a video perspective on just man i think so from <laughs> it's i always feel so silly making these analogies from coaching low level high school basketball and trying to analogize that to like the fucking lakers right but uh i remember during the season being like oh if i just had a little more time yeah to game plan right to this you know go over their sets i could break this down but we got a game on we got a game on Tuesday. We got a game on Thursday. I gotta have the, the guys prepared for both of them. But if I had four months off, you kidding me? Yeah, like we would know everything that they that they were doing. And so I, I do think that there's a chance for the Vogels, the Budenholzers, Doc to kind of flex their mes- muscles in ways that a regular season can. That's part of what's so interesting about this is there's no comparison to how to win, right? This is chaos is a ladder and and all of that, right? Like how you can go about it. There's all of these ways that you can do it now that just aren't a- analogous to
1: a regular season. No, and so when you were talking about Vogel and tape work and study, what was the if if there's been one compliment that Vogel's gotten around the league and by his players this season? it's that he's been prepared attention to detail right and attention to detail and that is his mo as a coach basically he he came up he came up in the video room and and he is someone who is always prepared and, and you and i had talked about how that was likely one of the main ways that he won over lebron james right because he was able to come to the mm-hmm. table with ideas and show that those mm-hmm. things worked and, and do it collaboratively as mm-hmm. well right and, and so that's where the culture aspect matters yes. that i think is really working in the lakers fav- favor here as well now again they're not alone with that like like i think the bucks have a great culture they've got con continuity sure like they've got a smart coach so so i don't want to make it seem like we're just you you know unbelievable homers here and make it it seem like the lakers are the only guys who who have something to offer within this but if i I, I can be i'm sorry i'm sorry yes let me let me cut you off real quick like you're
2: if I can be an unbelievable homer real quick, because the Bucks do have that type of culture, and that's a team that's been together for a couple of years now, right? The same guys, the same coach, the same system, and all that. Lakers do not have that advantage. But the Lakers are generally older than the Bucs are at key positions. And the the thing about this is one thing about getting older, and this extends beyond basketball, and I know you can speak to this too, is that like... You know, like, life is what happens when you're making other plans, right? Like, you have to be adaptable. You have to, like, it's not going to always go the happily ever after the way that you thought it was going to. And you face a lot of, as you get older, you face a lot of, well, damn, now what type of scenarios. And I do think that that having older people on the Lakers team is going to be advantageous. Like, a 35-year-old LeBron is a huge advantage here. Versus a twenty-six-year-old Giannis, and that's no disrespect to Giannis at all.
1: No, I would just say say this too: that, look, man, like, and I'll put on my home Homer hat a little bit here too. I'm not sure there's a better leader in the game right now than mm-hmm. well, than well, than LeBron James, and the Lakers have dealt with an enormous amount of adversity. This season and now adversity came to everyone's doorstep, right everyone is dealing with the same thing right now and yes. and, and there is no more an adverse si- will, will situation than what all these teams and what the league and, and all of us as citizens are dealing with right now, citizens of the world, not just the United States mm-hmm. or California or whatever right and, and that said, there is a certain amount of mental toughness and togetherness that the Lakers have had to foster in order to get to the point that they, that they had when the season was put, put on pause. And I do think that that has been unique to them, right. Mm -hmm. In terms of what they experienced at the beginning of the season with like being in China, right after Daryl Morey's comments to Kobe Bryant's passing away. And, and, And this, this year, dude, this year, this year can go to hell. This This year year has been five years long, man. This year can go to hell, right? Like fuck. no joke anyways. So I do think that if there is any team that I feel confident about staying together and all rowing in the same direction and having a certain amount of fortitude and mental toughness about, what it's going to take in order to overcome something. I think it's this Lakers team. Now, that doesn't mean other teams can't do, will do that as well. But the Lakers have proven this season that they already have some of that. And I think that can go a long way, especially when you have like I said, LeBron, who who has just been a fantastic leader for this team this season, which sort of goes back to this whole like, oh, he's been holding these private workouts at a closed-off gym. And if that's been hap- happening and it's just breaking now, well, hey, maybe that's a little bit of, of a leg up that he's been trying to foster, too, with the writing on the wall that the league is really trying to come back.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And so— So, where do we go from here? What do you think are the next steps in terms of the the process of this? Because everybody's just figuring this out as we go along.
1: No, man. So look, the end so today, as we're recording this, it's Thursday. It's a Thursday head heading into Memorial Day weekend. A week Mm -hmm. from Memorial Day is June 1st. Right. Right. So from that point, you're looking at about six weeks out from the standpoint of that timeline that you noted earlier about when games could could actually start. I think they're going to have to, they're going to bring everyone back into their market area, right? They're going to start to make sure that everyone is getting in to get their workouts in, that those things are no longer going to be voluntary. They're going to start to become mandatory. And they're going to start to get a better sense of where their players are physically, where they're at men, well, well, mentally, and they're going to start to ramp things up from there. Now, if all goes start to happen, I think within the next three to four weeks, you're going to start to maybe see, if not full-on practices, but but more organized workouts where maybe there are two or three guys at a time in the facility rather than just the one at at a time. And you're going to start to progress where there's going to be more and more group stuff that's going on, even if they're still, quote unquote, social distancing. What do you think, though? I think that it's
2: going to be really important for LeBron and to a lesser extent, Anthony Davis and Frank Vogel to rally everybody together. One thing about this potential framework of playing in Vegas and or in orlando and or vegas uh is that there are going to be unique distractions the just the way a day works for an NBA basketball player, it's going to be different, man. Like just the way you wake up and from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed is going to be strange. It's going to be these unique circumstances. And I think that the team that comes together is at an enormous advantage. And so the more LeBron goes toward, you know, we're staying off social media, we're locking down, we're all staying here, lock in for two months with me. Yeah. And let's go. They have a chance to do something historic. They have a chance to tie the Celtics in titles, man. We're right there. We're right at the doorstep tying the Celtics in titles, man. And the there are all sorts of uh, important things in LeBron's story. Right. That's part of the beauty of the intersection of the Lakers and LeBron is that they have a lot of shared goals and visions for how. All of this should work and and for what their legacies and accomplishments are. And so I think that the next steps really are less basketball and more an understanding of uh, and getting everybody on the same page of what this is and what this means and how we should approach these next two months.
1: No, I think that there's definitely a mental aspect that is going to be as much as the physical stuff that we sort of started off the pod with, right? Right. um, They're all, so you had mentioned distractions. There's also almost the absence of that, that players are going to have to get used will, will used to as well, right? Like, are their families coming? How often mm-hmm. are they going to be able to leave, right? Jared Dudley had sort of mentioned that um, there's this idea that they'd be able to leave the bubble, but maybe the league might allow that, but... Are the Lakers as known as an organization or are the players in the locker room going to sort of come come together and say, nah, that's not going to happen. Right. And and there's all of these things that you're going to have that the players are going to have to wrap their heads around mentally in order to then get to a place where everything that comes with the uniqueness of this sit- situation can be blocked out as best as it can be in order to prepare themselves to play the highest stakes basketball right. that they're going to play this season right and there's all that's already a mental challenge for players during the playoffs and and, and how much can you lock in how focused are you well, well are you right how well, how together as a group can can we be? Because those are the factors that go into winning a championship. And now you add on the uniqueness of this situation, and, and that's another hurdle that you have to cross, right? And, and I think that that goes back to what we were talk, talking about just a few minutes ago, that the the leadership infrastructure that exists within this locker room of mm-hmm. veteran players led by LeBron but but supplemented by the Rondo's the Jared mm-hmm. Dudley's the Danny Greens mm-hmm. right even in their own ways the Dwight Howard's Dwight Howard I was McGee's, just gonna bring up Dwight right? like people Who brings, that have perspective who've been through it man like just like
2: going through it in life and realizing just what it's all about. It's the difference between a 34-year-old Dwight Howard and a 28-year-old Dwight Howard.
1: Yeah? No, it it's and look, I saw you on Twitter earlier basically saying like this is as excited as I've been about about the prospect of things come coming back. And like, I'm right there with you like I still don't want to put the cart before the horse. We're still so early. Like there's been a huge ramp up of reports in like the last two or three days and and that feels great Mm because like that really does get me in the vibe that like things are moving positive well positively I cannot wait for like an official league announcement like these are the plans this is what we're going going to do because then trust me we're going to be on this pod talking basketball nonstop and, and it's not going to be about hypotheticals anymore. We're going to be talking about actual games that are coming and and that's oh, going to feel man. great.
2: Bro, I've been boiling over. I, you know, I've been watching old tape from 10, 20, 30 years ago for the last two months. And I finally wrote a piece, like I said, for The Athletic coming out tomorrow about uh, LeBron in the post and watching modern basketball. I'm going to, this is the last thing I do this week until, you know, until Monday, the last bit of content yeah. I create. Now I'm going to, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to watch the Clippers game and the Bucks game, right? That right before we played and just, it's time to start
1: unthawing the ice, man, and get back into it. Well, I'm just itching to write in general, man. Like, look, like, you know me, I want to write about the games. Yes. Right. I've yes. barely been writing at all because mm-hmm. I am not about to update my site with like, oh, guess what? Someone reported X, (laughs) Y, and Z or the potential for this. It's, it's, it's like, I want to talk, I want to talk basketball and and people don't need my. No. Like they don't need me to aggregate for that. No,
2: you ain't contractually obligated to any of that nonsense. So,
1: so. Look man like I'm just as anxious as you to actually look at something that's current. Believe me, the other day I flipped on game 1 of the 93 finals. The last dance was on. I was you just live like, oh, it. "Let me uh-huh. see what's yeah. up. Let me get, uh-huh. get my fix." And here I am, live like live tweeting all by myself about you you know Dan Marley trying to deny Michael Jordan in game 1 of 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 the 93 finals and, and how Pippen was running the floor, right? Like these are all like yeah, how about we change up the characters here and make that be LeBron James and throwing a yeah, off man. to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis I, I'd like yes. to talk about uh, like about that a little bit more.
2: Yes, please, man. And so hopefully this will be the the first of uh, of many pods coming up uh, talking about what we got going on. And as as the ice continues to unthaw around the NBA, we're in exciting times. Um, you know hopefully they'll be safe. Uh, they've got some, you know, Shams reported some of the the testing protocols and things like that, that, that goes without saying, but it, it's good to start talking a little bit about basketball from 2020. So, uh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, it's, it's just good to feel optimistic about anything right now. i right? to into that man. Like, Amen to and, that. and so if, if, like, if this is the last pod where I'm optimistic, at least we got this one in, man, because that's right. Because it felt good to to just let loose it and, and smile for that's longer right. than, you know, for five second well increments, right?
2: Amen, man. Hope is a beautiful thing. All right. Uh you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you next time as we talk about two thousand twenty Lakers basketball.
0: Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's the anyway, Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP you're chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietro's jogging back didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's There's the move. Two, one, miss it! Unbelievable, Unbelievable. Brian. yes And well, that was a little tough to Albert Gentry That insult to <laughs> injury, Kobe I mean, what a shot I mean, you can't defend that Are you kidding me?